All right, we are finally back with a new episode of this Clinch Perfect podcast. I'm Ben, and well, I was going to say, as always, joined by Tom, but it was nearly not as always, mate, because I'm hearing that you nearly died. Yeah, knocking on, knocking on heaven's door. Hello, everyone. I'm glad to be back. It's, honestly, it's been ages. It has been ages. The, the last time me and Ben spoke was like, well, face-to-face was like two weeks ago. Do you want to tell like, everyone oh, why that is? Yeah, I, I got the Rona, didn't I? The Rona. I, I, I succumbed to the, to the plague, <laughs> the bubonic plague. No, I'm all right. I'm fine. It wasn't, I'll be honest, it really, really wasn't much fun. But back in the swing of it, back in the thick of it, and uh, to be fair, I just spent my entire time watching The Ultimate Fighter. <laughs> I was going to ask you, had you caught up on that, actually? Because um, I just binged, like, a, I'd missed a couple episodes and I just binged them uh, early this week. And uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. For all the hate this season got when it was announced, everyone's like, oh, there's no personality there. They don't even hate each other. Um, it's been pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's I quite like the the team setup. Like Tiki goes in and um, I can't remember whoever Volk calls Mr. Master Splinter. I can't remember his, his coach's name off the top of my head. But that, that kind of like, that you can see the rivalry between the two camps. It's really, really nice. And like the fighters themselves, the, the, I think they've picked like, it sounds crazy, but it feels like this is like the best roster of fighters they've actually had on the show in absolutely ages. Like, yeah, there's been some really high-level like, fights. Yeah, and they've also all got like interesting personalities, and they're, but they're all completely different. Like we kind of talked about it a bit before the podcast, but like, um, like Ricky Turcos is hilarious and also an absolute badass. But then you've got like some of the cocky ones who end up losing, and it's it's quite a nice blend. Like, yeah. It's quite nice to see like egos getting. Yeah, that fight and... fight last week um, with Tercios and um, Dan Argueta. Am I saying that right? Um, what a fight! Like what a fight! That would not have been out of place as like a co-main event on a legit fight night card or something. You, was I was going to say can such you an unreal scrap. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, on an actual um, fight card. And if Artelega hadn't, hadn't gassed in the third round, then it might have been even even more craziness for the last five minutes. But um, yeah, like I say, but you know both those guys are really exciting. Treshawn Gore we talked about before we started recording looks like an absolute beast so um yeah it's been pretty good I, I have to say I'm I'm growing to dislike Ortega more with every <laughs> passing episode though yeah I keep on getting these messages from Ben being like I hate Ortega he's so <laughs> every episode so I watch fake. I'm just like he's such a dick I just, <laughs> he's like the um he's like what a British person would think the stereotype of like an American like frat boy douchebag is do you know what I mean like a, a character from Greece He's just, I like, Volk said it best. He's just fake. I just can't stand him. Um, you know, maybe there's some Ortega fans listening to this that are now turning off, but fuck it, I don't care. <laughs> I can't stand the guy. He's a douche. Yeah, I thought the prank was a bit tame as well. I like how like, Volk just laughed at it as well. Like, he was expecting <laughs> Volk to get all triggered. And he was just like, oh, it's pretty good. That is pretty good. <laughs> I think he loved the fact that the donkey was for him. That was just yeah. like, that, that was my favorite part of the episode, I think. But it is, it's, it's interesting as well. It's quite cool how they're filming it in COVID times and like how the fighters are like using selfie sticks to vlog like their own little like setup and whatever. It's quite cool to see like the, I think it makes it a bit more raw and authentic in comparison to some of the other seasons. Um, but I, I kind of miss the challenges. I hope they bring back like, I don't know, like the, the helicopter like melon yeah. dropping thing. Or yeah, I hope COVID doesn't hasn't ruin that stuff. Yeah. I'll tell you my big but, fan of it as well and I, I say I'm a big fan, but I'm now not remembering his name. Is it Vince Murdoch? Is that his name? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy, his the story crazy about story. He, he nearly died, or he could he could have died if like someone had held onto a choke too long because he had a was it a brain hemorrhage or something? Um, absolutely crazy and a phenomenal fighter as well. Um, definitely one who could uh, could be meeting Ricky Tercios in that final for sure. His finish was ridiculous as well. Yeah, like a bang on the money. What a punch! Right, shall we get into uh, the bi- the big card? What is it? I, I think I saw the second biggest card, pay per view wise in uh, in UFC history, behind the the Conor versus Habib card. Um, that is mental, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> love him or hate him, he, he's still the draw. Let's be honest. Two two of the biggest cards, and he lost both the both of his biggest fights. Like, yeah, crazy, absolutely crazy. Yeah, let, let's get stuck in. What are we starting with? Well, I start with the main event, shall we? All right, do we go first? Well, what, what is there to say? Just, all, all I've seen on Twitter in the last couple of days is the most deluded takes from mental Connor fans you'll ever see. And um, he was getting pieced up and it was only going to get worse if that fight continued, not going to lie. I, I'm i not a Connor hater. I'm also not a big fan of him. I'm kind of neutral on uh, on Connor. But I think, I think you said it before we started recording that his whole 
attitude in fight week and even doing the Billy Strut walking out, it just felt a little, well, fake. Like it just felt a little bit forced and it just, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a little bit sad. I feel like it's a little bit sad that that ruthless killer that like wiped the floor with Mendez and Alvarez who are elite fighters that themselves is gone and is never coming back. It feels a bit like, uh, I'm going to use a Mike Tyson analogy here, which sounds a bit crazy, but it feels like Mike Tyson before he lost to, Bu- well, after he lost to Buster Douglas, like the fear factor, the mystique, the mystic Mac, I just don't think it exists anymore. Like Connor's trash talk clearly didn't affect Poirier at all. If anything, it kind of galvanized him into putting on a show. Um, yeah. It, it, funnily enough, I was actually talking to a, a friend of mine who used to work for the FC and he was like, it's, it's kind of weird seeing Connor try to claw back what he once was rather than like reinvent himself. And it, yeah. I think I think he's almost caught in two minds. Previous fight, he tried to be all nice buddy-buddy and it backfired. And he tried to almost become the heel again and it backfired again. And it's like, well, where does he go from here? Like, I, I, it, it, It's almost bipolar in a way. And I, I do feel sorry for him in a way because the amount of like, pressure and the attention i mean we're gluttons for it right like we've encouraged this i think this is what kind of annoys me i saw a lot of like media members come out and slate him for like attacking poirier's wife and whatever like where was the same energy when he was going at tabib's wife like yeah if, i mean if he wasn't doing that Eddie they Al- wouldn't be talking about him if, if, yeah. if he wasn't that personality so yeah they've literally actively encouraged it like it's just I, I feel like it's a bit disingenuous to suddenly turn around and like essentially called him out for bad behavior when they have literally milked him dry for like the past however many years of his career so that's one of my issues with him i mean don't feel too bad mate i think he made 22 million i saw on the pay-per-view so he's (laughs) i think he'll be he'll be all right once he uh you know gets some of that morphine in after his leg surgery i think he'll be fine to me that was honestly that was the crazy i mean i'm not surprised because again we kind of alluded to it beforehand but he's such a big star but it, it did feel a bit harsh to be interviewing him. Like, man's clearly in absolute agony, and they've just stuck a mic in his face, and he's clearly not really responding or answering the questions yeah. at all. And he's just going on an explosive rant. And yeah, I don't know about you, but the whole fight week itself felt a bit weird. Like, it, it kind of. I kind of expected the unexpected, if that makes sense. Like, in the, in the actual build up to the fight itself. I wasn't getting that whole like mystic aura or star power. It just felt like he was clutching at straws a little bit and, and almost trying too hard, like almost trying too hard to get on yeah. poor ears skin. Um, so yeah. Well, you say, you say expect the unexpected. It's kind of becoming expected every big pay-per-view now that we get a, a horrible injury. <laughs> like If there's any sort of relatively new fans just getting into UFC and watching pay-per-views like once a month now, they're going to be like, what the fuck? Does someone break their leg every time? This is ridiculous. <laughs> I poke or a broken leg. Take yeah. Break. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I mean, the whole, the whole, the actual fight itself, I thought was pretty much a foregone conclusion anyway. Like we kind of, when we were talking, we both thought the Poirier was going to win. And I thought it, I, di- I didn't think it would make, I actually didn't think it would make it to the second round. I thought midway through the second, Poirier would turn on the gas and put him away. And I feel like that's, probably what would have happened given the way the actual fight itself was going before the unspeakable happened yeah well um, i mean you know it, it's it was said a lot during the build-up but it was said a lot because it was true the longer the fight went on was going to favor dustin more you know if it was a shorter fight it would probably favor connor more um you know like i said it was said a lot because it was true and i can't really see any argument despite what john kavanaugh says i can't really see any argument that oh connor was going to come back and win that in the second round like well, from where? What, what was he doing better than Dustin? Nothing. Dare I say it, but is he a little bit chinny? Like, <laughs> God, he, I don't know. He kind of got... I don't, like in, the, in, the, in that second exchange, when he went for that guillotine, mm-hmm. he got wobbled. Like, yeah, a little Poirier bit. Yeah, rocked definitely. Like, and it's... I don't know if it's the mileage he's taken, or if he was just caught unawares or whatever, but we've, we've seen him drop before. Obviously, like Habib dropped him, and mm-hmm. let's face it, Habib isn't known for his, his hands at all. Um... I, I, I don't know, I just, I, I thought his game plan was good. Like I thought using the kicks and everything kind of, he, he did kind of try to offset Poirier a little bit in his stance. And he was, he was trying to go back to that Karateka kind of spinning attacks and whatever. But I, I, I think to be honest, 
Poirier is just a level above at lightweight. Like I don't think I don't think McGregor's power necessarily transcends into lightweight as it did in, at featherweight, and I, th- I think that is actually almost a bigger a bigger issue. Like if you think about his wins at lightweight, he fought Eddie Alvarez, Eddie Alvarez who let's face it was on the downward slope anyway. Well, and that that would that knockout was more of a. Um... What's the word? Like an accumulation of damage throughout. Mm. Like he was piecing him up for ages, and then it was yeah. Um, it wasn't like one knockout blow. Like he's landed so many times at featherweight. Yeah, and I, and I do feel like that is a massive problem because if you're trying to put the like the pressure on and you, and and you're trying to hurt Poirier and he's literally walking through your shots, like it must be a bit demoralizing. But I mean, credit to McGregor, he, he kept on going. I mean, the guillotine. I don't care what anyone says. It wasn't tight. Like. Poirier clearly had space to, to climb across the cage and he wasn't in, in, in any real difficulty at all. I mean, look at the people he trains with. He literally trains with like submission specialists at ATT. There's no way he's going to be in, in any danger of a McGregor guillotine choke, let's be honest. But yeah, I, don't know, I, I felt very, de- it sounds a bit weird, but I felt very deflated by the actual fight. Like, it, it kind of, I, I don't know about you, but it felt like an end of an era. Like I, I do feel like we've, we've hit the end point or we are close to the end point of the Conor McGregor era of the UFC. I do feel like we're at that that tipping point between the downward slope and the upward climb. And it, it's yeah. almost a, a case of whether he wants to reinvent himself or whether he decides that's enough, enough. I'm going to take the Diaz trilogy fight and swan off into the sunset. I just, I, I don't feel like he's going to be, I don't feel like he's in a position to beat the likes of like even like a Michael Chandler or a, a Charles Oliveira. I feel like there are... It, the, at this stage in his career, they are a level above, and I don't feel like he has enough to offer. And but also, I, I think one of the more relevant points is, I don't think he has anything to prove. I really don't I, like. Look at the amount of money he's made. He literally transformed the sport and has trended, transcended into the mainstream, which is something no one else has done before him. Like, yeah. I almost, I, it, with hindsight, it's a wonderful thing, obviously. But I feel like it would have been so much better if he just like retired after like the. Khabib fight or the Cerrone fight and just been like right that's it I'm done nothing left to prove you can sell my whiskey yeah. business you name it because at this stage it's just affecting the McGregor brand like I, I know he's doing ridiculous numbers still because he lost and whatever but at some point that will I mean people don't want to see you lose all the time um, when was the last time McGregor won a fight Donald Cerrone like it, it, it's just a bit I don't know it left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth just because of like obviously <laughs> no no I, I agree like I said I'm not what we've seen before I'm not a hater of Connor and I'm also not a fan but it did make me a little sad I was a little bit like oh it's like this does feel like the end of an era like you said and um, I mean we could talk about what's next for him I I think it's pretty obviously Nate Diaz or bust like that fight and I mean Nate we saw with his fight a few weeks ago or whenever it was with uh, with Leon like the the crowd when he entered the building. Nate is, you know, up there and not anywhere near Connor, but like up there, way up there as a star now that has, you know, broached the mainstream. I won't say broken into the mainstream, but um, yeah, I mean, the, the numbers Nate Connor three would do would just be insane. And for me, that's like, you know, have that fight and then off you go, go enjoy your, uh, your cocaine or whatever you want to do. Um, <laughs> should we talk about what's next with Dustin as well? Because I've seen a little bit of debate, obviously, obviously the, you know, the, the clear thing for most people would be to say, okay, title shot with Oliveira, but the he made 5 million apparently this weekend. So I've seen plenty of people saying, and plenty of people actually, you know, respect as well, not just randoms on Twitter saying, well, why wouldn't you just wait for Connor for, if, if he fights Oliveira, he's not going to make anywhere near that much money. And if he loses, then that's, and you know, and Connor then goes off and does other stuff. Maybe fights Nate Diaz, maybe goes into boxing with Manny. He kind of loses that, that opportunity for a third red panty night if, if you want to call it that so i i, I think there's a legitimate argument that, he, that dustin could just sit on the sidelines and wait for connor to come back and then pick up another cool five million for an easier fight than fighting Oliveira. i think he'd make more than five million just thinking about like the brand deals and everything I mean, yeah. if you made five million for this fight imagine the opportunities that are going to come his way well like i said and it's an easier fight for him as well so it's it's an easier fight for for way way more money than he would get fighting Oliveira. But having said that a McGregor rematch for the title. I mean, it's McGregor. They could sell it. Think about the amount of money that would do. McGregor's last hurrah. I can't pick against my boy DeBronx, so that's, I'm just going <laughs> to say that's not happening. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. I do think... I, I don't think it's an easy fight for Poirier. 
But Oliveira is a little chinny. You said Connor might yeah. be a little chinny. Oliveira yeah. is a little chinny. So um, if that stays on the and feet, he struggled against Michael Chandler, who stylistically is quite similar to the way that Poirier influences game plan with his hands. So mm-hmm. the way he cuts off angles and yeah, I mean that's the fight to make. I don't care what anyone says. Like I, I saw Kobe Covington piping up and being like, "I'll oh, come to Daddy and whatever," but. I have no interest in that fight. I had no interest in that fight anyway, but like I literally have no interest in that fight at the moment. Well, I literally want to see the cringe of the banter between those two in a press conference would be unbearable. So um yeah. Let's should we move on to the co main? Before actually, before we do, I want to say one thing. How <laughs> good is Habib Namagamadov? That's it. That, <laughs> that's it. That's that that's the question. I'm done. <laughs> We'll uh, we'll leave that for another day, mate. I don't want, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> we'll definitely have the the Connor fanboys after us. Um, yeah, Gilbert Burns, probably the first person to I would say really solve the Wonderboy puzzle. I know he lost fights to Woodley. I know he got knocked out by Pettis, but I I think Burns is the only person to take him down three times since 2012 when Matt Brown did it when Wonderboy was literally a an MMA noob. Um, yeah. yeah, so I mean just. Uh, you know, quite boring if you're a, if you're a casual fan that was tuning in for the for the pay per view, but um, just a phenomenal, well rounded performance from Burns. Yeah, I, I think he kind of exposed not necessarily holes, but there's there's a clear weakness in in, in Wonderboy, right? Like he pieced yeah. up Vicente Luque, and Vicente Luque is a training partner of Gilbert Burns, and Burns literally like almost took him down at free will. Like the the, the minute Wonderboy got on his back. It was a bit like a turtle, like it was just floundering there. And I, I felt a bit sorry for him because he's been on this. Well, he's rebuilt his career after that Pettis loss. Mm-hmm. But what was it? Two fight win streak? I think two fight win streak. Or was it? I, I oh yeah, and don't, don't, don't even uh, get started about the uh, the Darren Till decision. Yeah, Jeff Neal. Obviously, he beat Jeff Neal. Like rebuilding himself, reinventing himself, and he comes up short against a guy who, I mean. <laughs> I feel like we've, we're going to throw the word chinny around quite a lot here today, but <laughs> there's Burns a lot of chinny fighters on this card. What can you say? Yeah. <laughs> you saw what Dan Hooker did to Gilbert Burns. He, he is chinny. Um, yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. I picked Wonderboy to, to win my knockout here. I thought, you know, like I said, he's a puzzle and, and not many people have been able to solve that puzzle. And as good as Burns is and as well-rounded as Burns is, I just didn't think he'd be able to take him down so easily. And I thought if this fight spends maybe 10, 11 of the 15 minutes with them in space striking, then there's no way he's not going to get caught and he is quite chinny. So, um, yeah, I mean, huge credit to Gilbert Burns and we've got quite a uh, exciting picture now in the welterweight division with Colby, Burns, Edwards and Jorge Masvidal all without fights, all kind of, you know, drawing at each other and would like to fight each other, I'm sure. Um, you know, obviously I think they're one, two, three and seven. Then four is Wonderboy and five and six are Chiesa and Luque who are matched up. So the four of them, I would think... I've got to be matched up in some order. For me, it has to be Leon and Masvidal because, you know, that's the three-piece in a soda thing. Easy, easy promo. And um, and Colby and Burns would be a fun fight as well. But I can really see an argument for, for any way you want to match those four. I mean, the Brit- British bias in me is that Leon gets the title shot next. I don't care. Um, but, oh, yeah, yeah. I would like that to happen. But, yeah, but no realistically, it's going to happen. So. Realistically, it's most likely that he'll fight Masvidal. Because that's the way to generate pay per view, right? Yeah. Imagine if Leon beats the guy who beat Nate Diaz. Like, we're kind of not necessarily. Although, mind you, now if he, if he beats Masvidal for 24 and a half minutes and then gets shook in the last 30 seconds, then he's just got to get another win then before the title <laughs> shot. So <laughs> that's how yeah. fan logic works, right? Yeah, you can look brilliant for like, as you say, 24 minutes. But one little one little wobble, <laughs> you're on the ropes. Um, yeah, I, I think to be honest, I'd really like to see, stylistically, I'd like to see Burns versus Covington just because, I mean, well, they both got knocked out by Usman. So it'd be interesting to see like if they can put things back together and, uh, and push them towards like another title shot. Apologies, my yeah. brother's walking past with a a cricket bag I don't know if you can hear that I wouldn't have guessed cricket bag but there you go yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah I think I think that makes most sense but I think De- I think Daniel recently came out and said that Covington's next in line for Usman anyway so maybe Burns has to just like kind of sit and wait for the division but I mean I have no interest in Google Burns as a date, Nate Diaz like to me that's I don't see any appeal in it at all because I don't think Nate's anywhere close to a, a title shot and 
Burns is obviously trying to get back in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I also have no interest in the Usman rematch. So I feel like he's in a bit of limbo, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, Burns was Usman. Usman was so convincing. I don't think you can really make the argument for a rematch as, as good as he looked against Wonderboy. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the Colby thing, I don't think he should get another shot just for sitting out waiting. I think that's kind of bullshit. Um, if that happens, then yeah, Burns' only real option is to is to sit on the sidelines, I'd imagine, because I think we both agree Leon versus, uh, versus Masvidal is a fight to make. That would be extremely fun. And um, yeah, talking of extremely fun, Greg Hardy got knocked the fuck out. <laughs> Should we just this move is, on to that? This is the moment. Enjoy that. Yeah. I think I mess. I literally messaged you gibberish. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> you, you might have. I mean, I had said before this fight, I I thought Hardy had a pretty clear path to victory if he used his kicks and kept it in space. But it was actually Tuivasa who came out and and used his kicks really effectively. And then obviously Hardy um, shook him, wobbled him, and rushed in for the kill, and that didn't go well for him. Yeah, it, it was. It's your favorite phrase, the stanky leg. <laughs> you can yep. see two of us are kind of twitch. Yeah, he had tight, yeah, dancing. <laughs> yeah, and then, then Hardy kind of pounces and gets bingoed by... Well, it's, it's inexperience, isn't it? Like, you know, yeah. t- t- aside from the fact that I don't like him as a person, I don't think anyone else does, you know, t- talking about him purely as a fighter, it's just simply inexperience that, you know, you've got a guy in tight Tuivasa who can knock anyone out at any moment even if you got him shook like that, you don't just sprint at him face first. Like you still got to remain chin composed up, yep. yeah, and measured and tuck the chin. Um, so yeah, I mean, it really was just inexperienced, but I think everyone in the world enjoyed that. And um, I mean, from Hardy's perspective, it's, it's not the end of the world that everyone liked seeing you get knocked out because that means they're going to keep giving you fights and putting you on pay-per-views. Yeah, and I, I saw some people being like, oh, does that mean it's going to get cut? I'm like, they've thrown so much promotional yeah, they've tried way like too him, hard right? to push this Greg Hardy redemption thing to cut him. So, you know, I don't think he'll be, um, you know, crying too many tears about it because he's just, you know, still making cash and is going to make more because uh, for whatever reason, the UFC seems determined to push this guy. Yeah, I, I do think that, I, th- I feel, I do feel like, weirdly, it sounds weird, but I do feel like they kind of rushed him. Like, if you think about it, he's fought Volkov. The yeah, Volkov fight was not like, like, looking back at it now, what an insane matchup for a guy with like six fights at the time. Yeah, and he did pretty well. Like, yeah. took him to took him to a decision, and like look at Volkov's last fight. Last fight, he got pieced up by Cyril Grant, who's now fighting in the final eliminator. So yeah. it's, it it's kind of crazy the evil the evolution of MMA, and and I do feel a bit sorry for him in the sense that he's kind of been thrown in a deep end and almost expected to be amazing. Um, I I think the trouble is he's kind of. Is a bit like you can see the red rag to a bull, right? Like you, you, you saw the moment he clipped. Yeah. To you, you could just see it in his eyes. Like it was almost like the killer gaze. Um. But yeah, for, I'm delighted for two of Asa just because it's kind of like hilarious, and it just kind of proves that MMA math doesn't work because you've got a fat ex rugby player against like. Oh, does this behemoth. does this finally solve the rugby versus American football thing? So American. Oh my god, we just answered the debate. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. A rugby player beats up an American football player t- 10 times out of 10. There you go. 100% pro baller, the, whatever yeah. that means. <laughs> I don't care about sample size. 100% of the time, <laughs> rugby player beats American football player. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, it's great for Tuivasa, especially to be on, you know, what was it, the third fight on a on a Connor pay-per-view because, I mean, I saw Americans that I follow on Twitter and have known for a long time don't know shit about MMA, don't really care about MMA, tuned in for the Connor fight and were all like, oh, I love this Tuivasa guy. So, you know, it, it's, it's a huge kind of win for him, not just the win itself for the fight, but also to, you know, to gain a bit of popularity and, you know, who doesn't love watching Tai Tuivasa drink a, a beer waterfall from the top of the stands as he's walking down the tunnel. May I just say though, whoever put hot sauce in his beer, you are a brave individual. Oh my <laughs> well, God. Tuivasa like... is so cool. He didn't even, like you could see he hated it, but he didn't even react. Like he didn't go, he didn't, you know, say anything to the guy. He just downed it and kept on moving. Like anyone else probably would have been brave. raging. I mean, code rules out the window, but like, how many shoes did he do? He must have done like four. No, no. I think there was like three. There was one on the cage and then there was two in the crowd, I think. I think there was three. Oh, yeah, three and then, and then the waterfall going into the tunnel. Which so. was amazing. What a shot. Like, the, the fact they managed to catch that on camera so perfectly was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that DC summed it up best. He said that he had friends who had attempted to party with Tuivasa, not successfully party with Tuivasa, attempted to party with him. Um, in terms of the fight, he said he wanted a, a top 10 or at least a ranked opponent next. 
Do you have anyone in mind? Because I'm looking at Walt Harris on a lost oh, street. Oh, mate, you read and, my mind. Uh, <laughs> yes, there we go. And, and I'm thinking about betting my house, life savings, dog, everything on uh, <laughs> under 1.5 rounds in that fight. So can we make it, please? <laughs> yeah, I, I completely am I'm in agreement with you, my friend. I think that's the fight to make. I, I, purely because it is literally a do or die for Walt Harris. Like, he, he, I think... The way he, the place he is in the rankings, he's got to fight these young guns at some stage. Um, I think Spivak's got a, f- a fight booked anyway, so that wouldn't make much sense in terms of the rankings. And Tom Aspinall was obviously fighting at UFC London, so again, mm-hmm. there's no, there's no room there. But yeah, because I, I, again, I don't think two of us is quite there for like a top ten. So, and, and considering all the matchups, like it makes most sense for for Walt Harris. and uh, stylistically as well. It's a matchup that both fighters can win. It's a very winnable fight for both guys, but I would lean towards Tuivasa purely based on you're only good as your last fight. Well, yeah, what we've seen, well, his last, what, three fights for Walt Harris, um, or is it two? I can't remember. But yeah, like you say, he's uh, he's shown enough holes in his last few fights that you'd have to lean against him, kind of anyone in the you know t- 10 to 15 range or just outside the, the top 15, you'd have to lean against him at the moment just based on what we've seen. Um, Irene Aldana looked amazing in her fight against um, Kunitskaya. I again got this one wrong. <laughs> I picked Kunitskaya. Kunitskaya. I thought she'd get her down and uh, and keep her down like she has in her last couple fights. Her grappling's look improved. It's improved in every single fight recently. And you know, based on that, I thought it would improve one more again. But um, yeah, Aldana's boxing just looks so crisp and powerful as well. And you know, kind of stating the obvious when she knocked her out, but like every shot was doing damage. Yeah, I mean, I do feel like the the missing weight probably played a part in that. But yeah, I agree. Everything was on the button. And what I quite like about the way she she boxes or the way she fights is the way she she closes range so effortlessly. Like the, the when she that shot that she clipped Kunitskaya with, she'd actually tried to set it up beforehand, but I think she'd just fallen short. Yeah. So to make that adjustment mid fight and then catch her with that perfect shot was just well, it was magical. I, I, I think the fact that she missed weight is probably the reason why she didn't get a performance of the night bonus or anything like that. But um, yeah, it's great to see. It's great to see her as well get back in the win column. Like I thought she was quite disappointing against Holly Home. The way that division is and how well lightweight it is at the top, I wouldn't be surprised to see her get a title shot at some point in the near future. Like mm-hmm. another win or so. Do I see her beating Amanda Nunes? No, but in the future. Uh, she says she wants to be a champion, like referenced Brandon Moreno. I, I can kind of see it. I, I do think she's got like a decent skill set in terms of like, uh, and I think the fact that she's got punch power. Yeah. Kind of sets her apart help, from a lot of the yeah. ladies in that division. Yeah. Exactly. 100%. Um, not really sure what's next for her though, just considering like how shallow the rest of the division is. No, I took a look, but there was nothing that really jumps off the page as a. Uh... Yeah, well, you you know what it's like when you're in Amanda Nunes' division. You get one win, you get a title shot. So maybe that's next after uh, after the Pena fight. And um, you know, we'll just we're just going to assume here that Pena's going to get destroyed. So um, <laughs> brush over that real quick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sean O'Malley versus Chris Martino. Um, and this is becoming a common theme here. I got this wrong. Um, I didn't pick I didn't pick Martino. That's not how I got it wrong. But I thought he was going to die instantly. Um, I watched some tape on this guy, and I I won't lie. I was I was kind of a dick about it about him on Twitter when they made this matchup. I was shitting on it and saying like this guy sucks. Like I he plods forward with no head movement. And to be fair, I was kind of right about that. He did that the entire fight. I just didn't expect him to be able to do that and take two hundred and twenty significant strikes or whatever it was. Um, a bantamweight record from Sean O'Malley. So, you know, my apologies to Christmas Dino. He's a, a tough son of a bitch, and I'm sure I'm not the uh, the only person he proved wrong. O'Malley, I, it's it's a weird one because, you know, like I said, record for a bantamweight fight, significant strikes landed, but it kind of feels like it was a bit of an anti-climax, like the way the stoppage happened being a little bit controversial. Obviously, he was going to win dominantly anyway, probably like 30-26, maybe even 30-25, so it wouldn't have mattered, but it kind of left a little like, yeah, like there was something missing, you know, like the whole thing was set up for him to get a huge finish and he didn't do it. So as good as he was, it kind of felt like a disappointment. Well, he nearly got the finish. Was it the first round where he dropped him? Like, yeah. Late, late in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of got I, saved I, by I, that. I thought then he was going to pile on the pressure and he kind of didn't. That's what felt a bit strange. Like usually we've seen, we've seen Sean O'Malley going for the kill, right? Like yeah. however many times in his career. Um, but fair play to Chris Martino, man, literally threw the kitchen sink at him. And, mm-hmm. Uh, to be fair, I feel like 
it felt very reminiscent of the Calvin Cater Max Holloway fight in the sense that he was getting a barrage of punches and yeah, let's let's not make any mistakes here. He he got destroyed, but he's a tough motherfucker. But he had his moments. Like there were yeah. moments where he, he clipped O'Malley and, and not necessarily wobbled him, but certainly gave him something to think about. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, as you say, a, a a tough replacement, short notice replacement. Um it's it's a weird one though, isn't it? Because I don't feel like, and it sounds harsh, but I don't feel like he's UFC caliber. Like I don't think Chris Moutinho is. No, we saw very, we uh, saw toughness, but we didn't see much else. And I, like I said again, I looked at the rankings to have a quick look at if there was anyone in kind of like the twenty to thirty range that they could match him up with. Um, O'Malley actually suggested Almeida. I think I saw on Twitter. Um, again, like I think that's probably a step too far. They they need to remember. They need to not get carried away, right? They need to remember that regardless of how impressive that was, and it was a performance of the night on a huge Connor card. There's still a newcomer who's what, eight and four or eight and five, something like that now. So, you know, don't throw him in there with a guy who's, you know, in the top 20 fighting for a top 15 spot. Treat him like a newcomer who's eight and five. And like, um, so yeah, I'm not sure what's next for him, but well, a lengthy medical suspension, I'm sure. Uh, he's got good, he's got good banter though. Like, I don't know if you saw like the clips, but he was like, "I'm not going for a win. I'm not going for a loss. I'm going for a fight of the night." I was like, "Fair play, man. You know exactly what you're getting yourself in for." Like, yeah, he got it. So, <laughs> and he was back. He was he was back coaching his Brazilian Jiu Jitsu class yesterday, which is fantastic. That's like, great stuff. What a trooper! But as for what, as for him, I wasn't necessarily disappointed because again, I, I thought he'd be quite a durable opponent, but I was a bit surprised that he didn't put his foot on the gas. At some point, like it, it kind of felt like he was just cruising, like doing it wrong. Looked fantastic, like he did look good in the sense yeah. that he was reading range really well, array of different attacks, leg kicks, you name it. Like I, I do feel like he's completely washed away that Marlon Vera defeat. It kind of feels like a a blip in the past, but there is that caveat that Martino had never fought in the FC before. Under the bright lights from a great cloud, you're kind of there to make a statement. Um, if anything, I was a bit surprised he got a fight of the night, which again is very rem- reminiscent of the Calvin Cater fight, where I was surprised that got fight of the night because it was such a one-sided beat. It was so one-sided, uh, yeah. Although I'm not really. Yeah. What else could have been fight of the night? To be fair, um, well, correct. Michelle Pereira, Pereira and Nico, Nico Price. Price, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. You're right. That that one probably should have been fight of the uh, performance fight of the night. Sorry, not performance of the night. But um, yeah, they have to give O'Malley a bonus somehow, and they couldn't have snuck in a performance bonus when he, uh, like I said, the, the stoppage was was quite controversial. Um, I, afterwards, he called out pretty much every top ranked bantamweight there is: um, Jan, Cody, Font, Cruz. And, nope, uh, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, O'Malley fanboys were coming at me on Twitter because I said Font would destroy him, and um, you know, that's what it's happens. That's what happens in a big Connor pay per view. Um, yeah, the only one there I can see is Cruz. I think Cruz that could work. You know, he's coming off. Um, what, what was who did he beat? Um, what's his Casey, name? Casey, Casey Kenny, who is also yeah. a training partner of Sean O'Malley. So that would there yeah, is a narrative. There's that, that storyline there, and it's it's not a particularly impressive win. That's not disrespect to Casey Kenny. I just mean you know for a guy of Cruz's stature, it's not like he was beating another star of his of his stature. So um, I think you can make an argument that that one would work. The other three not going to happen in my opinion. And um, and O'Malley shouldn't want those to happen because he might get cheetoed again. So, um, you know, they're building him up insanely slow. And even though I don't really like it personally, it's working. So why would you change that and jump in there with with Font or Jan, who would absolutely kill him, in my opinion? I mean, I was leaning towards like Anderson style, maybe just because yep. of like where he's at in his career. A name again gets you. And I think he he's but... out of his fight with Kyler Phillips, isn't he? Sun yeah. Sal. So he'll need a yeah. fight soonish. I mean, again, I saw that suggested, and I was like, I, I'm pretty sure Phillips and O'Malley are tight, so I don't think they'd ever make that match up. That'd be a Maybe crazy a, fun fight. It'd be, it would be insane. Be insane. I think Kyler Phillips is criminally underrated. Yeah. Um, Cody Stamen as well. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Different proposition. Different style, obviously. obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But um, a fun one nonetheless. My bantamweight is stacked, man. Like, the more I think about it, like, there's so many fun matchups you can make. Like, you've even got Frankie Echo like lying around there, and he's somehow ranked seventh. Like. That's a potentially that's a fun fight, but I don't think they propel him that far. Um, either I, I kind of hope I, th- I think O'Malley said he wants another fight before the end of the year, so I think that'd be three, which would match his record for like fighting the calendar year. So I don't know what card they put him on, maybe like an Izzy fight. I just I, I feel like they're gonna kind of try and pair him up with names, aren't they? So that I think probably make- I think that his next fight they'll probably try and make him a main on a fight night or a co main at least. Um, 
you know, maybe I'll be wrong. They'll just throw him on every pay-per-view they can find. But I think next for him would be, there we go. yeah, next for him would probably be a main on a fight night, um, which again, Cruz would make sense. You could easily, easily make those guys a main on a fight night card. Um, what else did we miss? Max Griffin decision win versus Carlos Condit looked really good in the first round. Griffin um, kind of volume dropped a little bit after that, but still an impressive win. Um, against Condit, who you know everyone loves Carlos Condit. And then uh, before that, we had what we both think should have been the fight of the night, Michelle Pereira against uh, against Nico Price. And I mean, <laughs> there's gassing in the third round, and then there's Michelle Pereira. The guy literally does not have a gas tank, does he? No, like, and he doesn't give a fuck. That's what I love about him. There's yeah. no semblance of like, oh, I'm going to stay reserved. I'm not going to backflip because I might gas out. He's going to backflip. <laughs> the way he backflipped into Mount, though, like everyone was building it up as like this amazing thing. And it, it, was, it, was, so a kick on, it was a kick to the head of a downed opponent, I have yeah. to say. <laughs> yeah, and it looked so disjointed because it was yeah. like he backflipped and then like spun around. And then he had to spin around, yeah. yeah so it was yeah. a little weird, but still insanely impressive from an athletic point of view. Um, yeah, I mean, great fight. Kind of, I'm sure, what everyone expected from that scrap. And um, a little disappointed for Nico Price because it feels like he's kind of becoming like a nearly man if you get me like everyone he's loves a bit like him a mike and, perry isn't he? yeah everyone loves him and all his fights are super exciting but he's not quite getting that big win that he needs to propel him into you know being a contender or higher up those rankings so um yeah a little bit good for him but still what a fight oh yeah absolutely we called it absolute insanity just pure craziness from start to finish, quite literally pure craziness. I mean, there were points where Price was wobbled and then there were points where Pereira was wobbled and I was like, oh my God, are we going to get like a, a viral case? It didn't happen, but I was quite glad <laughs> it went in the distance, to be fair, just because it, like, it seemed like every minute something happened. Yeah. Uh, although that eye, was there, I think there was an eye poke, wasn't there, at the beginning? And I was like, oh no. I think, I think Pereira yeah, was poking really eye. early. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was just like, no, please. That would literally be like, I, I don't know what, I, I think I messaged you before and been like, what are the odds for like a no gone test? Like, oh, they're pretty decent. <laughs> I'd have gone to bed. If that, if that had ended with an eye poke there, right there, it, that would, that fight was on at what, like 1 a.m. our time? I'd have gone straight to bed and just watched the rest in the morning. Just been depressed about it. Um, but anyway, the, the big news of the night, the real main event, Ilya Topuria, my guy, future featherweight champ. Knocks out Ryan Hall as Joe Rogan is telling us all how great Ryan Hall is for the entire fight. <laughs> um, I, I saw a lot of people criticizing Hall's game plan for this, but I have to be honest, I don't share that same sentiment because I think a miracle heel hook was his only path to victory, and he knew that, so that's what he was going for. I don't think it was like, you know, that weird that that's what he was constantly going for because how else was he going to win that fight? You know, everyone was saying, oh, Ryan Hall's such a good grappler, and he is. Topuri is an insane grappler as well. So it's not like, you know, if he hadn't been going for insane heel hooks, he'd just taken him down normally, or he could have just choked him out or whatever. No, Topuria is insanely good on the mat. So, yeah, I don't have the same criticism for Hall that I think I've seen a lot of people having, because I think that was his only path to victory, and he knew that. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Topuria, because he looked insanely good in every facet of that fight, and there are so many good fights we can make it featherweight for him next. I think I wrote a piece about it yesterday where I just said he looked comfortable. Like there was never a point where uh, I don't. It, yeah, no matter how hard Rogan tried to make it sound that way, yeah. there, was there was no point, point where he was in trouble. Danger. Yeah. And, and there was also, I, I, I just think he showed a complete lack of respect for Hall's game like, mm-hmm. or game plan. Like it knew what it was going to be, knew how to deal with it, didn't look in trouble at any point, at, at any time, really. Um, Tremendous performance. Uh, um, we've been we've seen it from day dot really with Tapuria. Like you look at that Zalal fight again, completely outclassed him. The Damon Jackson fight again, completely outclassed him. The guy is just a level above. And yeah, and he's, he's outclassing people in different ways as well. Yeah, like say exactly. Zalal, he grappled him. Jackson was enti- I think it was entirely stand up. I can't remember that going to the mat at all. Um, and then this was kind of a mixture. So yeah, I mean the guy really has it all. And like I said, there's so many fun matchups next from the one I'm. I think I've picked out is Shane Burgos. I think that would be an absolute banger. What a banger. I mean, any fight with Shane Burgos is an absolute banger, to be fair. But again, like, you know, both of them, really good strikers. Toporio probably has a slight grappling edge. Um, Yeah, that's that's the one I picked out. But like, there's so many good... I've seen people saying Bryce Mitchell. I think Mitchell's probably a little too high up the rankings and is on a win streak of his own. So I, I don't see that one getting made. But if, if we can make it in the future, that would be amazing because that would just be an absolute grappler's delight. Um, yeah, there's there's so many good matchups in that division. 
Um, again, we were just talking about bantamweight a second ago. Featherweight is so stacked. Like, you look at look at who's above him in the rankings: Burgos, Ivloev, Yusuf, Mitchell, Chikadzian, Barboza obviously matched up. Like, there are some bangers there. Absolute oh, and, and Topuria actually called for Calvin Cater on Twitter. By the way, um, <laughs> I think he's I think he's aiming a little high with that one in in the rankings. Um, but hell, if they gave it to him, that that would be a firefight as well. Yeah, I do feel like the. The sky's the limit, really, for him. Like, mm-hmm. I think he's got such a good. I, I mean, to be fair, I do feel like there is there is a, a point where it may be a bit too much of a jump. Like, I don't think he's ready for an Ortega or a Holloway or a Volk yet. Oh yeah, he's still he's still extremely young and what twelve and oh, I think he is. So, um, yeah, yeah, he's still early in his career, and I need to not get too carried away and, and forget that. <laughs> no, but, I, um, I, I'm fully on board the hype yeah. train, full steam ahead. I, I think a point that was really interesting, which not a lot of people picked up on, he kind of dropped earlier in the week that his coach had beaten Hall in a grappling match. And yeah. how no one picked up on that in that particular interview, I have no idea. Because I was immediately like, well, they clearly know the game plan. They know mm-hmm. that they've got the blueprint almost to beat Hall because let's face it, all he is is a very good jiu-jitsu grappler, like nothing much else. Um, case in point, breaks his hand in the first and only punch he throws. Like, yep. <laughs> tremendous, absolutely tremendous. And uh, again, to do it on a Conor McGregor card, like you steal the show, like, yeah, People as an undefeated about- kid as well, where like there's yeah. so much, you know, the pressure. But he, well, he didn't look like he was. Feel- I imagine he was feeling pressure. He didn't look like he was. Did you see his social media afterwards? He went like I think he went to like a, a marshmallow concert and was like on the stage with marshmallow and Masvidal. And, <laughs> I didn't see no. You know, like again, he's got star power. He's Spanish Georgian. Like they're trying to break into Europe and and corner that market. Like the Spanish mm-hmm. are kind of crying out for that poster boy, poster girl. You it's got to be Topuria or um or Joel Alvarez, so it's <laughs> it's a two man uh, two man competition or, there. Or Tracy Cortez, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, what was before that? Oh, Duplessis oh, knocking out my guy, Trevin Giles. My guy, my guy. <laughs> We're just this, trading. Just, We're just trading, yeah. hyping up the person that we that we've been hyping up for ages here. Um, yeah, I mean Duplessis. I love a guy who finishes fights, and I think he what is he a hundred percent finish rate. Yeah, 100% finish right Yeah, there. I mean, you can see why. It's quite weird the way he fights. Do you know what I mean? It almost looks like he's drunk in a bar. Unnatural. Fight. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, sort of, he's got that herky-jerky style, sort of wades in and out. Um, but yeah, what, what a shot to end the night. What a shot. It was like, I kind of felt like it was coming. I don't know about you, but like in the first round, the minute he took Trevin Giles down, I was like, right, okay, so he's clearly got like a strength advantage here. And he doesn't feel threatened by like jars on the ground so logic dictates that he'd keep it standing and the minute he threw that shot it was just lights out I, I, I think the UFC have kind of again just going on from what I've been saying about Tapuria if they market Duplessis in the right way they can again corner the market in combat mm-hmm. sports in South Africa which has a massive yeah. like, think about like the big contact sports in South Africa rugby I mean like They've got boxing, like, but UFC is kind of MMA is a bit raw. I think they've got like EFC and maybe a couple of other handful of promotions. But with Duplessis, they've kind of got the poster boy. Like the guy is jacked. Like his shoulders are massive. I was a big fan of his uh, post-fight speech, by the way. Quickly snagging the opportunity to tell everyone how to pronounce his name. You're not going to get a better (laughs) chance than on a Connor pay-per-view to tell everyone how to pronounce your name properly. He just, I think he just oozes class. Like, there's like a bit of cockiness about him, but he's just very like, I don't know, all action kind of guy. Yeah. It, it, was, it was really cool to see. And the Jimmy Trains out as well was literally full of killers. Like, there's a guy called Nkosi, I think, and Dumbele, who's like, I think he fights for Brave. Again, he's, I think he's finished all of his fights, maybe bar a couple. Um, there's, there's something growing in South Africa, man. I don't know if it's like, maybe, maybe imagine like a UFC Africa card with Duplessis on the main card headlined by Francis with like Usman in the co-main or like you could literally they could honestly do an insane Africa card right now the more I think about it like I, I do think the potential is there but back to his performance again Mike Perry would obviously be the co-main on that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah again back to the performance Trevor Giles a dangerous guy we've seen him dispatch a couple of prospects like yeah and to do it in style Fair play, man. Fair play. Um, talking of style, not. Jennifer Meyer, Jessica I. Um, I mean, this was obviously always going to be the most boring fight of the night. 
and uh, and that's what it was. So, <laughs> well, uh, I, I genuinely, you know, you know that Tom and Jerry gif where he's like peeling his eyes back with tape. Yeah, it was. Like, I mean, this is kind of. I'd say this was. Uh, this wasn't early for us, but it wasn't like. It wasn't at the point where you feel like you're you're tired, right? But no, no, it's just like got, midnight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I got to that stage and I was just like, I think it was after the first. The, I think it was like the, the first. Maybe the first exchange, I was—I could literally feel my eyes start to close because I was like, "It's going to be a boring decision." I mean, even the cut didn't really enamor me. It was just like Jess Cry is clearly just walking scar tissue, like. Not <laughs> yeah, and, and a little bit of a weird game plan, by the way, from Maya not to uh, to try and take it down at all. Um, where does he say he's gone? Oh, well, that was right. a smooth transition. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not editing that out. <laughs> we'll cut it out on the edit. Um, yeah, I, I like to say, a little bit weird for me that Maya didn't even try and take it down. I was actually the one that attempted a couple takedowns, but yeah, I don't really have much to say about that fight. I thought the decision was probably right, but I was a little surprised to see it. Was it, I think it was unanimous and there was a 30-27 in there. I was a little surprised by that. Um, I think you know, it was I the thought, damage, to be fair. I think it was the cut. Yeah. I think that was what swayed them. Um, but yeah, just kind of as as we expected in terms of that fight. Um, only only surprise being Maya not, not going for any takedowns. Um, Brad Tavares looked really, really good. Good to see him in the win column again. Um, Amari Akhmadov, another guy with no gas tank. Uh, I mean, he was basically having cardiac arrest in, in the third round. A little bit disappointed Tavares didn't finish him, to be honest, because I had a, a sneaky bet on uh, Tavares round three knockout. So, um, you know, the odds on that were good. And uh, come on, come on, Tavares. What are you doing to me, bro? Um, but yeah, uh, I think if you, if you were looking at that fight objectively, you would predict that, Tavares was going to take over late because Akhmadov, uh, Akhmadov gasses in every single fight. And and that's what happened. Tavares' striking is insanely good. Everyone knows that. But I think he uh, he looked, you know, well-rounded here as well. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 again, we've kind of... I feel like he's he's pushed himself beyond that easy defeat again, kind of yeah. reinventing himself. Um, I think the move to Extreme Couture has kind of really paid off. The, the work they're doing there is incredible with likes of... Like I mean, I know Dan Nige lost, but you've got Casey O'Neill, you've got Francis, you name it. Uh, so it's it's cool to see them like put together a bit of a win. I mean, to be fair, they could probably. I feel like Eric Nix may be in the running for for coach of the year. I mean, I saw some arguments saying like Habib, or I mean, potentially Trevor Whitman as well. I can't forget Trevor, Trevor Whitman. Yeah, it's between Whitman for the Usman jab and uh, and Nixick for the for the Francis sprawl. So <laughs> it's, it's between those two. I mean, one taught I Usman to strike That's like an absolute dawn and, uh, and one taught Nganu to sprawl. So there we go. Um, Zuma Gulov started the night off with with an insanely cool um, standing guillotine. It was kind of unique the way he did it. And um, <laughs> Can I just interrupt? <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> Literally, Ben's written on the notes. Four fights again, bye. There we go, done. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we have to say about Jerome Rivera. I mean, I'm not trying to be a dick here but oh, i'm sure he cry. knows you've uh he's lost four fights in a row and and i think that was i think he's 0-4 in the ufc i don't think he has a win in the ufc so um yeah bye <laughs> um well uh we got to pick a garbrandt game plan winner for every card we always pick somebody um in honor of the cody garbrandt game plan somebody who showed low fight iq or a poor game plan and um I think Ryan Hall's probably a lot of people's pick for this. Mine has got to be Greg Hardy, though, because like we said, he showed that inexperience that we know he possesses. Um, you know, you can't hurt a heavyweight with one punch power and then just sprint at him with your chin up. And that's what he did. Yeah, I, I'm going to lean Ryan Hall, but I, I think Greg Hardy's the real winner, let's be honest. Because like, it was the say. most Cody thing of the card, wasn't it? Just <laughs> just seeing that like red red mist, just that fury, and just rushing in, swinging punches. He's really as Cody as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll rush through some news now, and um, and then get onto a little bit of a preview of the the Makachev and, and Moises card. Um, I say rush through because we've been talking about UFC 264 for ages. Um, full venues allowed in Britain from July 19th. That's Hooray. this coming Monday. And that probably means that UFC is coming to London in September, September 4th. And there are a hell of a lot of good fights announced on that card. I've got um, a list of some of them here. Brunson Till's not announced yet, but that's expected to be the main. Um, Paul Craig against Alexander Gustafsson. Jonathan Martinez Can we just against touch on Nathaniel that? Wood. Can we just touch on Paul Craig versus it. Alexander Gustafsson? Like, that is a dangerous fight for Gus. Like, well, especially dangerous. when he just lost to a similar fighter as well. Yeah, exactly. Literally just got taken out by Verdun with a... A sneaky submission. Paul Craig literally rips people's limbs off. Like, yeah. 
for a comeback. It was an armbar as well, wasn't it? Badum armbarred him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. I think so. Yeah, yeah. that's a, and Craig's a big guy in the division. That's a, mm-hmm. that is a dangerous, dangerous, fight. a great fight though, absolutely great. Yeah, fight, and a big but... name for Craig that that he's been he's been wanting. Oh, um, delighted for him, especially if he's co-main. Like that's yeah. huge. I'm oh, sorry for, for the Americans. I'm talking about Paul Craig. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Martinez against Nathaniel Wood. That is guaranteed fight of the night. Holy shit, what a fight. Um, I somehow completely made a typo there and put Mark Shaw. That should say Jack Shaw. Um, oh, no, sorry. I'm reading the wrong line. No, no, Mark, wrong D. Casey. Mark D. Casey. Mark D. Casey yeah. is fighting Rafael Alves, Paddy Pimblett, Luigi Vendramini, Jack Shaw against Saeed Namagomedov. And, um, what a fight. Modestus Bukowskis against Khalil Roundtree. So, I mean, that's what not even fight. a complete card. And <laughs> UFC London's looking like one of the best cards of the year. And I'm hearing potential rumours that they could make a couple of signings and unveil the signings. At the UFC. So not just Paddy Pimlet, but maybe a couple of others, maybe a couple of cage warriors, fighters, who knows? Wouldn't happen um, to be someone you've just been talking to, would it? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, I, I don't think it's Ian Gary. Um, but no, I, I feel like Ian Gary, they, might, they may wait a while. Which which it. fight of those are you most excited for? If I mean, I'm going to be de- absolutely devastated if I can't get tickets. So let's just assume we've got tickets. Um, which one of those fights are you going to be most excited for being in the arena? It, it won't get the biggest reaction, but Paul Craig versus Alexander Gustafsson is, for me, that's the fight I'm most excited for just because I bloody love Paul Craig. Um, I'm excited to see Paddy make his... He's walked to the octagon for the first time. I think that'll and be a Vendramini's a lunatic as well. We just saw that yeah. in round three of his, his loss to Farah Ziam. So that'll be a really fun one. I got to say but, my picks, Martinez and Nathaniel Wood. Yeah. Like, Wood always gets the crowd going, right? Yeah. Like every single like UFC London card he's been on, every single Cage Rose card he's been on in London, like home crowd, that's going to be absolutely buzzing. Um, and it, and you, you could say it's a must-win fight for him, really. I think he's coming off... Is he coming off two losses or is it win loss win loss? I can't remember. He lost to um, Casey Dodson. Kenny, which is a pretty controversial decision as well. He lost to Dodson, then he beat someone, then he lost to Casey Kenny. I think I could be wrong. But yeah, Martinez is coming off a loss as well. The the knockout to the legend Davey Grant. Grant. Um, so yeah, I mean, good to see Martin so Casey back good, as well. Good fights. There. He's been out for ages. Yeah. great fight against Fiziev. So, but I'm really I'm you know the one that has thrown me completely is Bukalkus versus Khalil Roundtree. Like that is such a weird matchup. Again, they're both coming off losses. I think actually Picasso's is coming. No, Picasso is coming off two, two, two fights. Good, isn't he? Yeah, he, he got knocked out by Crute, and, and then lost then a decision lost to, to um, uh, Alexi Jack. Yes, so it's a that, is a that is a weird fight. I'm intrigued to see how Jack Shaw deals with the problem that is under Maga made of. I feel like that'll be a an interesting dynamic just because of the the style matchups. Like you mm-hmm. could actually argue that. Jack Shaw's kind of like a, Habib, a a GSP Habib hybrid in the way that he fights. Clearly, looks up to both of those fighters. So, yeah, it's it's so it's also interesting how the, how Jack Shaw and Nathaniel Wood are both on the same card, but they're not fighting each other. Like that, that I've always been teasing that fight at some <laughs> point. That's a an interesting conundrum. What what are we moving on to? What have we got next? Well, we've got. Plenty more matchups because I mean you've been on your deathbed with COVID for so long, mate. There's been some <laughs> mad matchups announced while you've been gone. Um, Tatiana Suarez girl, is forgot, coming back yes. against Roxy. Um, that's UFC 266 in September, which is also Tell the same what, card they're planning is, Nick people, Diaz and Robbie Lawler for. Right. So we'll talk about the first one real quick. People are saying that's. I don't think that's actually an easy fight for Tatiana to come back to, considering the experience of Roxy. Well, Roxy's aren't Roxy. due for a win on her win loss, win loss, win loss. Exactly, so. exactly. <laughs> the curse is there. The curse is there. Um, but yeah, stuff, Comet. This is people's main event. Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler, two. Oh my God, what a fight! I hope. I hope we see the ruthless Robbie Lawler, not the. I don't even know what word I'd use to describe him in his last couple of fights. Like the, half, the half asleep Robbie Lawler, yeah. I mean, I love ruthless Robbie, and we've not seen him in his last couple of fights. So even if it means he gets knocked out, I hope he goes out there just, you know, screaming in Nick's face and, and being the ruthless Robbie that we know and love. Imagine being like, oh, yeah, I'm going to come back to the UFC. Who are you fighting? Oh, you know, Robbie Lawler, who had a fight of the night thriller with. Like, they are throwing Diaz in at the deep end, whether they like it. I kind of... I just really want to see the two Diaz brothers on the same card just because yeah. I think the, the atmosphere on that would be crazy. But if that, if, if as you say, that is the Volk Ortega card, mm-hmm. 
that is stacked already. Like those those three fights on it already are, are spicy. Like Suarez, massive fan. Again, huge fan of the Diaz brothers, but also a fan of Robbie Lawler. Like that that for me has potential to be fight of the year. And Nick Diaz hasn't fought for like what five, six, seven years. <laughs> I hope it's not just really disappointing now, like just two old men just throwing the odd punch at each other. Um, and then, I mean, you said that card looks good. UFC 267 in uh, in October. There's been a few fights added to that. Hamzat Chemaev is fighting the Leech, Li Jing Liang. Um, Amanda Ibas is fighting uh, Werner Jandidoba. That's a really interesting matchup. And my hot take for that is that Ibas gets knocked out again. Um, and that's that's on a card with you know Blahovic versus Glover and Jan versus Sterling. Hopefully, if Sterling doesn't bail, um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean the, the pay per views for the rest of this year are shaping up insanely nicely. A um, few more matchups: Edson Barboza against Giga Chikadze. That's been announced since the last time we recorded um, for a main event of a fight night. Viral spinning back fist double knockout. There, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rocky freeze frame, but with a spinning back kick to the face, uh, heel kick to the face. Yeah, um, heel kick. Sorry, Mackenzie Dern, Marina Rodriguez. That's booked for a main event in October. That is a tough fight. For um, Dern. I think that's a little odd because I kind of thought Dern would be next in line for a title shot. I didn't think she needed another win, but um, yeah, absolute banging fight. Really interesting stylistic matchup between you know striker grappler, just you know traditional striker versus grappler matchup. And then we have another one, although Kroot can grapple as well. This one's really interesting because we got Jimmy Kroot coming off a freak leg injury and Jamal Hill coming off a freak arm injury. Um, that's booked for an, an October fight night. Or I don't know whether it's booked, but it's in the works for October. Um, Jimmy Kroot against Jamal Hill. I mean, fair play to Hill. He's <laughs> he's just lost the first, taking the first loss of his career and just jumping straight back in there with another you know really good prospect. And Jimmy Kroot has just had his leg taken off by Anthony Smith and he's jumping back in there with a guy who also has pretty nasty leg kicks. Like that's yeah. a, that is a tough, tough Jimmy Crute's going to be training that perineal nerve or whatever it's called. <laughs> 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 he's just going to walk around with shin splints. <laughs> no, okay, and that's a banger. That's an absolute banger. I can't believe it actually. Like, when I was, I was literally lying on my deathbed and you were just firing all these like lined ups over to me. That's like, <laughs> I was trying to lure you back to the pod, mate, with these insane <laughs> matchups, and here you are. I got you back eventually. What have we got next? Oh, of course, we've got a card which everyone is sleeping on. I feel like everyone's sleeping on this card. I think it could be quite. How a good can anyone fight, sleep though? on a card with the shit house queen Montserrat Ruiz on it? If Montserrat Ruiz wins this fight against Amanda Limos, who is really good, by the way, she's nine and one and looked amazing in her last win. Um, if Montserrat Ruiz, you know, what what is her move like? It's like a bulldog choke body slam kind of thing um if she does that 25 times again and wins like she did to cheyenne bays then uh i'm, I'm gonna get a you know what's the tattoo she has the, <laughs> the oh clown from it i'm gonna get a penny i'm gonna get a pennywise tattoo in, Mon- in monster <laughs> reese wins this fight <laughs> she's an absolute right. legend for the listeners just record this and tweet it at ben when this happens thank you <laughs> No, I'm not going to lie. I don't really see a path to victory for her because Lemos no. is so good everywhere. But it would just be amazing if after the all, hell is Danny- all the fumes she caused last time against Cheyenne Bies, if uh, if she did it again. Who the hell is D-Rod fighting? Preston Parsons. I, I Short notice replacement. I can't remember who he was um, replacing. But I looked up a, a little bit of footage on him. He looks really good. I'm not going to lie. I'd never heard of him before, but he looks like an absolute monster. So... Um, that one, yeah, I put that on the notes because I think it could be a, a pretty interesting match and not your typical, you know, kind of easy latecomer um, match. What we got next? Just, just going to look at what Parsons' last fight was. Sorry, one second. Um, yeah, his last fight was an armbar in uh, on Combat Night Pro 22. Um, before that, rear naked choke, rear naked choke. Um, you know, so armbar, armbar, rear naked choke. Versus... So literally taking people's limbs off in nearly every fight. But to be fair, D-Rod's got pretty decent um, jiu-jitsu. Yeah, and interestingly, interestingly, the first loss of his career was a knockout to Mike Perry. Wow. How the tables have turned. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I guess, like I said, I don't know much about Parsons, but I looked up a bit of tape on him, and he looks pretty damn good for a 9-2 and newcomer coming in at short notice. So um, definitely keep an eye out for that one. 
What we got? What, what's afterwards? Oh, ah, oh, Billy Quarantillo. We're quite high on Billy Quarantillo, aren't we? Kind of... Who isn't high on Billy Quarantillo? Every every fight he has is batshit insane. <laughs> and Benitez has never really been a boring fight either, so yeah. it's kind of an interesting. Yeah, it's going to be fast paced for sure. And then we've we've got <laughs> another infamous Joe Rogan um, fighter or favorite, sorry, Rodolfo Vieira versus. <laughs> Is, is Stoltz just... I feel like he's the contender series guy, isn't he? The one who, who slammed... Yeah, yeah. He slammed He slammed a guy um, and the guy's elbow like popped out of popped place out, completely. Yeah. It was absolutely disgusting. Um, I think I he was so. on like a 10-fight winning streak at that time. And then he lost to Kyle Dorcas in his debut. Yeah. Interesting. Again, this is kind of like a... I feel like this is a make-or-break fight for both, weirdly. Yeah, if I mean, I think this, I think the odds are massively in Vieira's favor with the bookmakers. So this is clearly a fight that the UFC have picked to get him back in the win column after. I wouldn't say it was an embarrassing loss because you know Fluffy Hernandez is an absolute beast, but it, he lost a fight he was expected to win in an embarrassing manner. I'll say that. So um, it was definitely yeah a must win for Vieira for sure. And and then we've got the people's main event. What a fight! Blood, guts, and vinegar written all over it. I mean, has Jeremy, Jeremy Stevens ever been in a boring fight in his life? Has Mateus Gamrot ever been in a boring fight in his life? Nope. <laughs> and you this know what? You know what? The MMA gods are smiling down, looking at us right now. So, <laughs> I, this I one's going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the worst fight in the history of the UFC. <laughs> I, I, I think Gamrot stops him, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, we have seen Bruce kind of the miles start to, to rack up on the clock of, of Jeremy Stevens recently. I mean, he's lost 18 professional fights, which is a hell of a lot. Don't get me wrong, still an absolute killer. But um, yeah, Gamrot just, I don't know, there's something about, again, he's sort of like, who was it we said earlier has a bit of a weird style? Oh, Duplessis. Um, Gamrot's style is kind of obviously completely in a different way, but Awkward his style pacing. is, yeah, it's, it's quite weird to sort of rush in and kind of grab a single leg. And then he's, you know, at a distance, piecing you up with kicks. It's it's kind of a weird, again, sort of herky-jerky in a way. Um, yeah, the way he rushes in and then backs up and goes for a lot of single legs, or at least he did against Holtzman. Um, so, yeah, definitely a, an interesting matchup. And we hope, guaranteed, to be an absolute banger. And I think I agree. He's probably, probably going to be a Gamrock coming out with the win. Um, this one, I tweeted about this last night, I think, on the Clinch Perfect account. Marion Renault against Michete. If you are betting on this fight, in either direction, you have a gambling problem and you need to seek help. Um, <laughs> Renault is 44 years old on a four-fight loss streak. She's not looked terrible in, in that loss streak, I will say. like It's not like she's been getting dominated, but she's 44 years old on a four-fight fight skid against Misha Tate, who we know doesn't really like to get hit, is kind of a quitter, not going to lie, and is what on a coming back off a five-year layoff, I think, maybe six. Um, so yeah, I... I couldn't pick this fight, to be honest. I think the odds reflect that as well. I think Renault's like a very slight underdog. And um, yeah, I, I really don't know, don't know what we're going to see from Misha Tate. I would love her to come back and get a win. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree. Vintage Misha would be fantastic. Purely because she's a name. She's, she's, a, she's a star. She draws eyeballs to the sport. One of the, the pioneers of women's MMA in general. So... On, on that basis, I'd love to get the win. I just, I'm just, I was talking to uh, Casey O'Neill about this a couple of weeks ago because obviously she trains with her, like yeah. one of her key sparring partners. I was like, oh, what? And she, and I, was, I was just literally asking her, like, what kind of form is, is Misha in? Like, how is she looking? All this kind of stuff. And apparently she's been working like really hard. She's like fit, thriving off the gym. And I think that's the thing about Extreme Couture. Like, they literally breed winners. So, I, you, I think you would have to give the edge to Misha because she'll have like Nick Sick in her corner and you name it, like solid, solid base. And she is a very good grappler. Like her striking isn't exactly the best, but it's possible. And I think, to be honest, as long as you're possible, you'll beat Marianne Renault. Like, yeah, I, I don't have the exact stats, but she should have a, a reach advantage on Renault as well. Um, you know, Renault's not the biggest in the uh, in the division, so. Yeah, I could I could see Tate getting the win, but like I said, <laughs> you couldn't force me to bet on this fight, and that's coming that's coming from King Degenerate Bet himself over here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How much did you lose? 
<laughs> I'm gonna lose a lot on that one when I get too drunk and do bet on it. <laughs> the next one, though, I feel like is again pretty much a foregone conclusion. Do you do you think Moises is is that outmatched here? Yeah, I think Makachev will wrestle ragdoll him to death and potentially sub him. I just well, I think, think too, too there's good. a there's a size thing here. I think because Makachev always looks absolutely ripped and huge at lightweight whereas i feel like moises he's not small but he's not a big lightweight like he is mm. a natural lightweight he, i don't think he cuts a hell of a lot to get down there um so yeah i feel like that's gonna play play a role i'm a little bit curious to see exactly how it plays out though because i'm you know you just said you think he's just gonna <laughs> ragdoll him moises is really slick with his submissions so i I'd, I'd be curious to know whether makachev maybe you know mixes up a little bit more mixes in some striking because obviously you know, against a guy like Drew Dober, he's not going to take the risk of standing with him and just take him down where he's way better than him. Um, but yeah, Moises, I like Moises. I, I'm not saying he's going to win the fight, but I call him Mini Luque because he reminds me of Vicente Luque. He's technically sound everywhere. doesn't really have a hole in his game or a weakness for you to exploit and won't make Bites stupid down mistakes. Bites shield and yeah. just throws. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think he's only 26, maybe. He's quite young. Um, but really, really composed and and you know level-headed fighter, and like I said, he's not going to make mistakes. So if Makachev wins dominantly in this, then I think that's a huge statement from Makachev because people are kind of overlooking Moises. He's really good, really well-rounded, and and yeah, um, I I don't see it being as one-sided as you clearly do, but I think Makachev will will get the win. I'm I'm saying decision win. Yeah, I, I just think. The caliber of opponent that Makachev has fought, like we've just mentioned, Drew Dober. I don't mm-hmm. think Moises has fought anyone on that level. I think his last couple, uh, his last couple of wins were Bobby Green and Alexander Hernandez. Yeah, and neither of those are really on the same level, are they? So it's a, it's a bit of a reach. I think it'll be interesting to see. I I, I kind of want them to push Makachev. Like if Makachev wins this, I don't want to. I don't want like another like sub fifteen opponent. I want a top 10. Oh, it has to be. Yeah. Like right. I said, Moises is, is no joke. And I think he's on a three fight winning winning streak. And like I said, not the highest quality, you know, opposition that he's been fighting. But, um, you know, this again is, is another young prospect. He, you know, he's a prospect as well. Let's not forget that. And, um, and, and if good Moises one. wins, like that is a re- that, mad state. That would be like, crazy. Like I said, I like Moises, but I'm not, I'm not picking him to win. I think he's like a four to one underdog or something huge like that. He's probably one of the biggest underdogs that has been in a main event for a while. If you exclude Amanda Nunes main events. I, I, I don't want to future cast here because he might lose, but I already have the perfect fight for Makachev if he wins. Oh, well, hit us with it, and then we can laugh at you if, if uh, Moises gets the upset. <laughs> Moises can have it if he wins. Tony Ferguson. We're going to have Habib versus Tony, the beta version. <laughs> A little version. <laughs> 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 the B-Tech. Yeah. yeah, Habib versus Tony. That we've all been I think it makes for. sense. I, I, like the, the way the, the place they're both at in their careers. Mm-hmm. Classic vet versus prospect, yeah. Exactly, make a name. Like, why not? <laughs>